Hello and welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review, the first Wednesday of every month in Chicago, Illinois, satirizing the dumb news of the month that was through hilarious op-ed and debate. This particular edition took place at Cafe Mustache on September 4th, 2019. Enjoy! Okay. Yeah. One more. Yeah! Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight at The Skewer. The Skewer, if you don't know, but judging from looking at you, most of you do, is a live monthly news review satirizing the... We're getting, we're getting adjusted, folks. Satirizing the news of the month that was through hilarious op-eds and funny debates. Now you're thinking, op-eds, debates, is that like the shitty stuff in the New York Times where it's all like Brett Stevens? No, it's good, it's funny. I don't let you come on the show if you suck. I am your host, Tom Harrison. Thank you all for joining us on this, the first unpleasantly weathered day in many months. A harbinger of doom, for real. Maybe you thought it was fine. I hated it. Um, <laughs> and now it's time for me to deliver my opening essay to you. You've, and uh, folks, as is ever the case, it's been a hell of a month. There's lots of big goings-on to cover. Lots of meaty topics to tackle. Lots of hot takes to dish out. Lots of things to skewer with my satirical eye. Can't wait to just cover the full depth and breadth of it all. Definitely won't just focus on one thing. (laughs) Definitely not just continue to lose my mind over one story. One story that everyone already forgot about. Fuck! I can't help it! Folks! Have you heard about this Epstein shit? (laughs) Have you heard about this Epstein shit? Have you heard? Tell us about it. I'll, I'll get there. Oh my god. This Epstein shit got me bugging. This Epstein shit got me hooting and hollering. This Epstein shit, I'm like a prize pig squealing and reeling. Catch me oinking about this shit. I learned about Epstein's death by being woken up by my wife who was poking at me with a look of deranged glee on her face. <laughs> who informed me as soon as I was conscious that Epstein had died, and I was like, ah, okay, guess this is what I'm going to think about forever now. (laughs) So to recap, Jeffrey Epstein was king pedophile, uh, a major pervert who did sex slavery 24 hours a day for his entire life. Uh, He, to be clear, was already arrested for this, like, a while ago. This is not the conspiracy part. This is the real part. Uh, Epstein was best fucking friends with Donald Trump, the Clintons, Alan Dershowitz, Rupert Murdoch, Attorney General William Barr, and anyone who's ever been in a movie. They all fucking went gaga for the chance to ride on his crime airplane to go to his private island with a fucking gold-domed temple on it where they, I assume, concentrate all their pedophile energy into a big crystal. 
Epstein somehow got away with all this because Alex Acosta, Trump's ex-secretary of labor, was like, Pinky swear you won't do it again? And he was like, no. (laughs) Anyway, he gets arrested again. This time it looks like it's for real. They raid his house and they find a ton of DVDs in a safe with titles written on him in marker that were like, insert famous name here, blackmail, he, he, he. And they release a bunch of files that implicate literally every single person in the universe as as having been on his fucking pedophile airplane. Now here's the fucking thing about the airplane. I would never go on it. I'll just fucking say it. The plane seems bad to me. Why would anyone go on it? Like, even discounting the sex slavery and pedophilia. Like, if I just ended up, like, from, like, bumbling like Mr. Magoo and I accidentally got on a plane and some guy was like, hey, Tom, guess what? We got a bunch of hot adult honeys ready to have some consensual sex with you. They are definitely not being coerced and want to do it. All you got to do is go into that cabin right there, take out your nude penis next to Alan Dershowitz and Malcolm Gladwell. (laughs) They're both giddily grunting like nude little piggies with their pants around their ankles, and you just go to town. I'd be like, oh, no, that sounds bad. Do you have a coloring book? (laughs) And yet it seems as soon as you get your grubby little ape hands on like $5 million, you just hear the fucking call the wild and must get on the plane immediately. So this month, uh, Epstein got suicided, as you know. (laughs) Quick poll. Who here truly believes without a doubt that he killed himself and that's that? That's what I fucking thought. (laughs) Epstein got put in a cell with like Vinnie Crimatelli, a deranged mob cop who got put away for like a lot of murder. And if a cop gets put away for murder, imagine how much murder he must have done. The guards who were supposed to monitor him on suicide watch were alternately asleep and or not an employee of the jail. People in the jail reported hearing shrieking coming from his cell, which I guess is normal and not worth checking. One of the cameras that was supposed to be recording him at the time, at rather at all times, is unusable at the time of his death. Scratch that, I lied. Two cameras... <laughs> Meanwhile, Epstein's representation requests Michael Baden to do the autopsy. If you don't know about Michael Baden, he was the guy who did the autopsies for JFK, Martin Luther King, Michael Brown, and for each one he was like, hmm, all normal here. He was also disliked in his private medical practice for offering people unasked for advice about how to commit the unsolvable murder. (laughs) He also testified at Phil Spector's murder trial, explaining how Phil couldn't possibly have done the murder. And the prosecutor was like, Mr. Baden, is it possible you have a conflict of interest? And he was like, no. And the prosecutor was like, isn't your wife Spector's co-counsel? And he was like, oh, you mean that? (laughs) Baden, of course, concluded that this was an extremely normal suicide, that Epstein made a noose out of some bedsheets and kneeled forward so hard that it instantly killed him. To be fair, this does explain the shrieking as you need to fully oxygenate your blood in order to reach a high enough level of sicko mode to pull off that intense a power kneel. I'm honestly shocked the report wasn't just like, uh, his neck was always like that. 
he was actually never alive. <laughs> Just a fucking weekend Bernie's scenario for 70 years. <laughs> Meanwhile, every serious journalist and pundit is like, well, this is all really normal. Uh, if you think about this for more than a second, you're a nut job. Consider that the reason for this might be that the CEO of the New York Times is an ex-BBC guy, which just me saying ex-BBC should be enough to get the point across. But to expand, this guy specifically knew about and covered for Jimmy Savile, a serial pedophile who was allowed to operate for decades unimpeded because he got good ratings. And even after he's been dead, his weird pedophile plane just randomly flew to the Cayman Islands the other day. And then there's drone footage of his pedophile island of a guy who looks almost exactly like him. I mean, I'm sure it's just some other guy. But holy fuck, my brain! Like, I'd feel self-conscious about sounding like some sort of Alex Jones conspiracy guy, except this is like the one thing where we have a true bipartisan consensus that, yes, Pizzagate is actually real. And every single politician in the world showed up at Epstein's cell at the same time and Orient expressed him. <laughs> Sorry if I spoiled the ending of the most famous mystery story of all time from 100 years ago. But yet they all murdered the guy together. And the other thing is that, like, the real pathology of conspiracy theories, when you really have to worry, is when they spur you to, like, form an ethno-nationalist militia. Me, I see this conspiracy theory, and I'm like, well, damn. Time to watch anime. <laughs> it all just feels like the black ops guy who got hired to cover up the Epstein murder was just like, yeah, I could cover it up. But what if I don't? Wouldn't that be wild? Wouldn't that just be a trip? It feels like a big prank done despite us small people, where they dangle the possibility of justice being served right in front of our noses. And as soon as we recognize the scent, they're like, fuck you! We're going to murder this idiot right in front of you and say that he kneeled so powerfully his neck exploded. And everyone's going to tell you we're right! Harvard isn't even going to fire Alan Dershowitz. It happened. Like, am I crazy to think this is weird? Like, Epstein was a convicted sex pervert with ties to Trump, the Clintons, the British royal family, the Saudi royal family, Rupert Murdoch, Mossad, every major scientist, Matt fucking Grading, the creator of The Simpsons. These are people who wield power and influence that is literally beyond our capability to understand. They, took a, they stood a chance of getting into trouble-wubble for the first time in their lives. Why would they not take action to prevent it? We already know that the Saudis can loudly cut up a guy with huge saws in their embassy, and they can just point to the pile of meat left over and be like, his body just did that. <laughs> And everyone's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Is this so unbelievable by comparison? Even now, Epstein's associates are just randomly disappearing and getting like five minutes of media attention, and it's like, well... I mean, I realize it's silly to focus on this, because obviously, this level of injustice has been going on forever, and probably always will. But I think it's especially important to understand now that we know that Mueller uh, wasn't actually a thing. 
I think we have to accept the likely scenario that Trump will never see any consequences for his actions, that he'll live in luxury for the rest of his life, and that no one associated with him will pay for it, and he'll remain one of the most popular presidents among Republicans for decades. Do you not like that? Does that sound bad? Then we have to demand radical, unapologetic change from our leaders. We can't pretend that maybe one day the current structures will randomly shit out a good outcome. No, they won't. (laughs) We had Epstein and his whole sick fucking crew dead to rights, and they got away with it because the whole world is set up for them to get away with it. Good enough is no longer fucking good enough. I don't want to see another Epstein go unpunished. I don't want to have to accept a world where women and girls can have their lives ruined and masked by an obvious pervert monster that everyone knows about and hangs out with anyway. I hope you agree. Thank you. Folks, we got a wonderful evening for you tonight. It's going to be fun. We got some great op-ed readers. We got a delightful debate. But before we get to that, I would like to play a fun news game. Kevin Johnson, would you come to the stage and host our fun news game? I'm here. Tom, are you saying that we should form a militia against the sex Illuminati? I <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. He is not not saying that. Wink, wink. Anyway, uh, so, like all of you have been here before, basically, right? It's cool. It's two truths and a lie, essentially, except with, new, uh, with the headlines. If somebody wants to get on stage, you can, but you, are, you do not have to. I will play with the audience as a whole. Yes? Yeah! All right. Which means nobody gets a drink ticket. <laughs> Do you want it? You, you want you want a drink ticket? All right, yeah. fuck it. No, no, no. I was I was gonna say you didn't you didn't have to come on stage. I would just give you a drink ticket if you don't want it. I didn't want you to walk over to me. You want I want to I want to earn this. I want to do it right. I don't want to do it wrong by okay. not earning it. Okay. You know. These are pretty easy though. You say that. Yeah, I, I do just say that. I want you to feel like like I can't really knock you down unless you're really high. So, yeah. All right. First story. One of us has polluted the air. Fart forces country lawmakers or county lawmakers to suspend debate in Kenya. Is that real? Story two. Mexico judge approves recreational cocaine for himself. (laughs) Story three. Twitter won't auto-ban neo-Nazis because the filters may ban GOP politicians. I know for a fact. Wait a minute, motherfucker. This is one or the other. I've been online. Do you want want audience help? Uh, Yeah, I don't want anybody to not be able to participate. I've never seen the audience. It's like democracy and shit, yeah, man. Yeah. Which means means I'm the only one that gets a real vote. I'm a representative of the the people. Okay, okay. So what do you voted for? What do do y'all think it is then? Uh, I know the third one's true. Uh, the, it feels true anyway. I think the second one is like mostly true and you did a little fucking around with it, so I'm going to pick number two. You think I'm just fucking around with shit? That's what you always do! Uh, it's the game, man. That's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and yes, you're correct. <laughs> My people. Judge Victor Octavio Luna Escobedo? Yeah, there we go. Uh, he, he let two people 
recreationally use it. I don't know why, but he says it has the benefits of like tension release, intensification <laughs> of perceptions and desire to have new personal and spiritual experiences. For two people, exactly. So I feel like he's probably used it before, you know, whatever. Anyway, second set of stories. Story one, NASA, NASA, NASA astronaut accused of hacking bank account from space. Sounds fucking dope. <laughs> Story two, warnings issued after a woman is burned by vagina steaming. Story three, Ed Sheeran and Hines are releasing a mayonnaise that plays his music. Which means, like, why do we need him? Oh, yeah, the first one's definitely true. I read about this. I keep up with space news. I don't know, man. This feels like a representative, doesn't it? You're like, oh, let's vote for this. And he's like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Someone's giving me a lot of money to say that the Ed Sheeran thing is real. Uh, No. A little uh, grease the pubs a little bit. I think think the Ed Sheeran thing's bullshit. It's fake. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that is true that it is fake. You you were correct in that it is fake. You seem very confused still. That's why you're so wise and you guided me to the yeah. right. So what they're doing is actually so Ed Sheeran has a tattoo of Heinz ketchup. I don't know. He loves ketchup. And he has money to get, like, a more fancy one, but he chose not to. <laughs> anyway, so, in, in, so, like, because he has that, they are making a bottle that has his tattoos on the bottle and is, like, slightly skin pigmented. Oh. It's for charity, I guess. And he got 1800 for something. I don't know. What's wrong with that? Come on. <laughs> Boo charity. Boo. I like True, I guess, yeah. All right, third set of stories. First one. Airplane worker fired for slipping note to traveler that says, You ugly. (laughs) Story two. Son of wealthy Indian landlord pushes his new BMW into the river after his parents refuse to get him a pet Jaguar. (laughs) Well, you just just keep on Indian news like that? Okay. All right. Story three. Story three, which Tom gave me, and I... Okay. I'm going to try and not fuck up this weird tongue twister. Sex pigs halt traffic after laser attack on Pokemon teens. Please say it one more time. (laughs) Sex pigs... Uh Don't worry about what a sex pig is. (laughs) Just wonder if the headline is true. Sex pigs halt traffic after laser attack on Pokemon teens. Every... <laughs> I... I have to... I feel like I have to choose before we get a real... Yes, yes, you do. It. You do. Listen. I'm trusting you. Yeah, it's... This is the exact kind of little little moving around of words you would do to try to trip me and my my, my constituents up. Oh, oh, oh! That's weird for this made up story. You're going. You're just spinning a weird little tale over here. Two is false. Fine, fine, yes. fine, yes. fine. Yes. fine. Yes. fine. Yes. 
This is for all of you. Ha- happy almost anniversary. Aww. You gave me the story, Tom. He didn't read it. Maybe you looked in the Reddit comments. The I don't know. This guy didn't read it. Okay, so the sex pigs. Okay. <laughs> sex pigs is pretty Epstein. Okay, so there were t- there was a couple, a, a hetero couple, both in like somewhat realistic pig masks, and so like these two kids, these two siblings, like went out, and this, this is like in some random country side, whatever. These two kids were like, oh, we want to go play Pokemon Go. Let's go get some Bulbasaurs and shit. And then they come upon these two people. One has a shirt that says king. One has a shirt that says queen. And, like, I guess they didn't want these kids around. So they, like, shine a laser into, like, near these kids' eyes and shit. And so they run back to their parents. And then later on, these two people in the pig mass, like, go have sex on the side of the road. And it causes a traffic jam. (laughs) So that's how you get sex pigs halt traffic after laser attack on Pokemon teens. I understand it less now. God it damn it, Josh. It's just a tongue twister. <laughs> it's just a bunch of words, man. Just nouns and verbs. It's, it's all, all it just is. Just a bunch of words. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's some adjectives too. <laughs> anyway, thank you for coming up, Josh. There you go. Thank all of you. Happy almost anniversary to you and Kelsey. Yeah, there you go. They're kissing. And uh, Tom, get your ass back on stage so I can leave. Thank you, Kevin Johnson, for the fun news quiz. One more time for Kevin. Come on. He works so hard for us. All right, now time on to the... No, time on? What the fuck? Time to move on to the op-ed portion of our evening, our first... Op-ed reader, Chicago comedian, and former speech team participant. She was most recently a guest on the podcast The Hornet's Nest. When she is not performing sketch and improv throughout Chicago, she is usually screaming. Please welcome Roxanne West. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hello, everyone. Well, wow, what a cool, funky, fresh time we are all having together. At the absolute peak of collective joy we achieved in the past month was some old, terrible dude finally dying. No, not that one. (laughs) Uh, What a pip. And honestly, who can blame us? This shit-ass dude loomed large in our lives, using his imbalanced resources and privilege to steer our ship even further and deeper into the miserable crevasse that is our time and country. I'm talking, of course, about... Java, the Chicago Botanical Garden's corpse flower. (laughs) Oh, boo, hiss, yeah, tell it like it is. I'm glad he's dead. If you're listening at home, I want you to know, just to describe the scene, that what you're hearing is the tail end of the audience leaping to their feet to cheer on the death of that big, stupid plant. (laughs) Given a rousing standing ovation for eight whole minutes that will likely have been edited out in post. (laughs) So we are in agreement. The plant is dead, and that is good. Uh... Thank you. Oh, another eight-minute standing ovation. 
Uh, some of you may be wondering to yourselves, uh, oh, of course, well, I know the plant is bad, but I don't know exactly what the plant did beyond rich people mean stuff. I mean, Dan Aykroyd played a parody of him, along with John Lithgow playing his brother in that Will Ferrell movie like 10 years ago, which, sidebar, if you haven't seen it, is a roaring monstrous performance that is so immaculate, so maestroso. It's a prodigious accomplishment that marked the apex of his already superlative career. I mean, he didn't even mention Crystal Skull Vodka once. (laughs) So yeah, maybe you're like me and read your parents' Bloom County books as a kid and decided, yeah, I get politics. (laughs) I know stuff. And then kind of skated by on that for years. So uh, what did this, uh, plant do. Uh, This plant was a key funder for climate change denialism, which is interesting for a plant to do. Until you remember that if you're already a decrepit literal corpse, why save the earth when you can no longer plunder it? Drill, baby, drill. Oh, he referred to President Obama as a scary, hardcore social twitch. Baby boy, sure wish that was true. Uh, Andrew Vokup and Vox writes, Uh, This devil plant and his big ugly brother founded academic institutions and academic programs to spread ideas as well as nonprofit groups to try to build grassroots support for these ideas and pressure Congress and state legislatures. Many of these ideas were about opposition to government and environmental regulations during a period which these dumb plants were facing serious regulatory and legal problems related to their environmental and safety practices. Through dark money channels, these plants effectively shaped the past decade of politics, guiding us toward our hellscape of corporate greed and a rapidly declining planet. Also, this actual creature has a wife. Uh, well, I thought being single in Chicago was uh, tough enough, but this is ridiculous, right, ladies? Uh, so, I'm sorry, I wrote some of this while in the thick of a 24-hour food poisoning adventure. So, we're all discovering what I've written together right now. <laughs> the Botanic Gardens website didn't include the plant wife's name. So, for simplicity's sake, I figured I'd just give her a fun human name. Something like, mm, I don't know, Julia Flesher. <laughs> and boy, am I excited for Julia to experience a little goddamn grief in her lifetime. Oh, well, no, she married a monster and profited off of the pain and suffering. So many of us that were hurt directly by his single-minded pursuit of being an absolute jag. And now she's getting a little taste of that pain, and boy, do I love it. I hope whenever she decides to date again, everyone thinks it's both too soon and too late. (laughs) And they all make sure she knows how they feel about it. I hope she saw his corpse not all done up for an open casket viewing, which is uh, pretty bad if you've been already, but is actual faith in, face and death. I hope that image stays in her head long, long after she can remember what it sounds like for him to say, I love you. Now I know what you're thinking. Roxanne, I'm pretty sure that plant died in June. <laughs> And you're just talking about David Koch, like not even in a clever metaphorical way, but just inserting big, dumb, evil plant wherever David Koch would go, which, okay, let's not underline it, but uh, yeah, just trying to have a little fun. Is it a crime to want to make two people laugh? Third Joker reference in a rope the night, rule of threes, killing it, Roxanne. I am very warm right now. 
But it's not a joke that I want David's loved ones to suffer. Right? Whenever some terrible person dies and we get to dance a little and laugh a little about it, some absolute bootlicker goes, well, they had a family, you know. And finally, with David Koch, I get what an actual relief that can be. Honestly, these terrible people running a smash and grab with our government systems, families, and lives seemingly face no consequence whatsoever because the Democratic Party is too busy trying to figure out how to make boomerangs or something. (laughs) But they do face a consequence. That certain consequence uh, we all face, they will die. And before they do, they will bury their loved ones. So no dark money channel or think tank can stop death. I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with a little book called Truth and Comedy. But from what I remember from reading it a decade ago, actually, quick sidebar. Uh, so I showed my freshman year of college boyfriend drunk history on YouTube. We had met during improv team auditions. I made it. He did not. He asked me out. Classic love story. Definitely not headed towards disaster there. Uh, anyway, he wanted to do his version of it, only retelling movies like Back to the Future. So we got a bunch of cheap vodka and vending machine cranberry juices and filmed it in his buddy's dorm, and it was okay. (laughs) He had clearly planned some jokes, and he asked how I liked it, and 18-year-old me, who had just read Truth and Comedy and had yet to learn a couple lessons in male fragility... to give him some advice about honesty and truth and you know true comedy and oh boy did he hate it oh we were in his dorm later that night and he said well actually people in high school thought i was very funny and i think it was the funniest they actually made a compilation of my biggest hits in drama club Whoa, what a doozy what a doozy of a sentence there so he pops in the dvd and i remember sitting on his bed In the dark, the only light from his little 12-inch TV hitting his face as he watched himself. Still facing him, he asked, Do you think I'm funny? (laughs) Still (laughs) facing... To which I said, Yeah. Uh, Finally reading the room. (laughs) He then turned and asked, Then why aren't you laughing? Joaquin Phoenix sings? No, I'm kidding, but can you imagine? I do all the time, right? Oh, boy. So anyway, in truth and comedy, we find out what is truthful, what's relatable in our own lives is more interesting than, you know, hack jokes. And for me, I personally relate to that woman who lost her partner. I've been in that receiving line, fending off creeps who got off on me being a young widow. I felt hopeless and alone every breakup after forcing me to think about death Because my love, the one who got away, is not a drunk text away. Because little baby Zuck decided you can't message dead Facebook profiles anymore. Punk him. That's what I'm really mad about. Uh, More. I want her every break town to be met with the old Kardashian, you're doing amazing, sweetie. Honestly, if I had your trauma, I'd be even more of a mess. Which, honestly, I mean, what else could they say? What can a friend say when you reveal suicidal ideation or some sort of hurt? I mean, no, actually, what else could they say? (laughs) 
Now, I miss my person, and I bet you miss someone too. A friend, a friend, a brother, a father. That's who David Koch was to so many people. Not a monster, but a loved one. A loved one that they were complicit in or helped to abuse so many. And now we know those specific details, those moments that drop into our stomach. We know how they hurt, and now it's kind of fun to laugh. I mean, what else can we do? And I don't want to hear, oh, it's mean. It's bad to put that kind of energy out there. You know, that sounds like some kind of rich person bullshit propaganda. Like those stories where, like, you know who's the most loneliest? The rich guy. (laughs) Oh, you know, that old couple in the woods didn't need money because they had love. Well, bullshit. Sure, it is a lot easier to love and live when you don't have a boot on your neck or a Category 5 hurricane headed your way with your disaster relief budget slashed thanks to Coke and his fucking cronies. And I don't know what lies for us after death. And I don't know what you believe. But it is kind of nice to think of our loved ones watching David Koch, scared, confused, and alone, taking that long walk into death and laughing at him. Thank you. One more time for Roxanne West. Come on, come on, please, please. Oh, man. That Joker trailer sucks bad. Sucks so bad, doesn't it? Um, I've been watching a lot of Mindhunter lately, and I just watched that trailer. I'm just like, this is just a fucking mind. This is just one of the mines they hunt. This is, I've seen this. Like, this is the same. Uh, anyway, moving on. Our next op-ed writer is a copywriter during the day and freelance writer and storyteller by night. Her freelance work can be found on the satire sites, Reductress and Whiskey Journal, and the beauty sites, Allure, Good Housekeeping, Women's Health, and the food site, The Takeout. She loves nachos, high fives, and hugs, and is afraid of heights. City drivers with lots of emotions and men with very blonde hair. Please welcome Callie Hack. All right, you guys, we're three-fourths of the way through 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Give it up for us. <laughs> it continues to feel like when we fall asleep, like the life force is sucked right out of us. And we just like wake up defeated and irritable. And we also have bed bugs. The bed bugs are back, you guys. They are back. They are in the news. They are in the newsroom. They have made a home at the New York Times because bloodsuckers get all the good jobs. Am I right? Okay. <laughs> so, um, bed bugs. There's um. They are these like little annoying creatures who like infest your internal life, and they take a toll on your mind and self-esteem. And I dated a bunch of them in my twenties. <laughs> There's like one little bed bug in particular. Let's call this bed bug Jake because his real name was Jeremy. <laughs> and that's like kind of close. <laughs> so Jake was like a New York Times Brett Stevens column, like come to life in human form. Like he was like very confident and like had a loose relationship with the truth, but like you're still drawn to it and, uh, Gave it some attention for some reason. Um, He was older than me. 
He was a writer and an editor. He had a beard. He gifted me a copy of Infinite Jest on my 26th yeah. birthday. Have I painted the picture? Like, we all know this concept of a man. Like, we've all been there. I was young and dumb, and I was, like, truly smitten. And anyway, okay. So I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you guys right now. Like, this is my Brene Brown moment. Like, just don't make me regret this. Like, what I'm saying, just don't tell my mom. She worries. <laughs> She's... Anyway, so Jake and I, like, we, like, went through, like, a bed bug thing. Like, oh. <laughs> it feels good to say that out loud, you guys. So. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Callie, you went through a bed bug thing? Like, aren't you too hot to have bad things happen to you? <laughs> and I was like, thank you. I know, right? I thought so, too. Until this happened. So when Slate wrote an article about the New York Times going through a bed bug situation, I had been there. I, it resonated with me, and I loved it. I loved the messiness of it. I loved the gossipy nature. Like, I, I was hoping that the, the New York Times would feel humbled by it. Like, they, maybe they could use this as an opportunity to, like, grow and not think that they're so invincible. Like, learn from my mistakes. So anyway, my situation was a little bit different. So Jake and I like moved into his 300-square-foot studio apartment because nothing makes a relationship stronger than like being able to hear your partner poop while you make dinner for you guys. <laughs> so we lived in very close quarters. And what, it was nice when either one of us went on a trip. It was nice to miss the other person. So one time when Jake came home from a vacation from Arizona, because he was white, if you didn't get from the profile I said earlier. So when he came home from vacation, I was like very happy to see him. I was excited and I like jumped into his arms. He had like just put his bags on and I like jumped into his arms like a, just like a big dumb puppy. And he just like, he just fell backwards. Like writers have delicate hands and very little upper arm strength. And I forgot he won me over with his words. So... He, we, we just, like, fell backward onto the futon, which, like, jarred awkwardly across the wall. And the electrical outlet went loose, and a fire spread up and around the wall. Like, I, I myself, I ran out of the apartment. I just left. I, it wasn't a fun thing to learn about myself, but, like, I'm also, like, not surprised. Like, I am comfortable, like, cowering in fear. Like, that was fine. Jake, Jake was quick. He was nimble. He types all day. He has good fingers. He, like, grabbed the fire extinguisher, and he, like, put out the fire right away. It left behind like a charred hole in the wall, though. And just for like a bit, we were like, mm, should we tell anybody? And then we just like, like scooted our futon bed in front of it. <laughs> like it never happened. And we forgot about it until one spring when we got a notice that the garden apartment below us got bed bugs. And we, like, frantically tried to, like, proof the apartment. We got the powders. We got plastic bags. But we forgot about this open, gaping hole right by where we sleep at night. And one night, they got us, you guys. They found us. And they just ate us alive. And it was devastating. We ended up having to throw away, like, both of our copies of Infinite Jet. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it was terrible for him. <laughs> um, we moved out shortly after that, 
And then we broke up shortly after the move. It was like maybe life was just too easy. Like maybe we needed these bed bugs to like unify us together. So Slate, when Slate wrote the piece about finding out the New York Times got bed bugs, at first I was like, oh, God damn, the bed bugs are back. And then I was like, maybe this will be a learning experience. Like no one is immune. But then Brett Stevens got involved. So if you don't know the story, like, New York Times, it got announced that they were going through a bed bug thing. And, like, people on Twitter were, like, having just a fun time making fun of them because that's what you do on Twitter. And then a professor, David Kapp, like, joined in, and he tweeted, the bed bugs are a metaphor. The bed bugs are Brett Stevens. (laughs) Like a fun little riff, like a well-done contribution to, like, this Twitter roast happening. It got nine likes. It got zero retweets, like, which is, like, a success in my book, but like, but it wasn't like a viral hit until Brett Stevens found it, and it was. It's been kind of like widely like deemed like he just on a Monday night was like googling himself and he had to dig like real real deep through all the pages to find this one, but he found it. Um, but Brett got real mad. Saying Brett so many times is like really. <laughs> it's just like not a great name. Sorry if you guys are named Brett. Um, Brett got real mad, and he emailed the professor from his Times email account. Um, And not only did he email him, but he, like, CC'd his provost on the email, which is, like, a real Brett thing to do. And he was like, I want to talk to your manager. Um, But also, in the email, he, like, wrote the most adorable thing, where he was like, I dare you. Like, he wrote this to the professor. He was like, I dare you to come to my house meet my wife and children and call me a bed bug to my face. <laughs> Which honestly is just like, it reads as like a very kind of like polite but like very specific like kink, you know? <laughs> like, what a lovely invitation. Like, come over for dinner, ask my wife about her interests, play catch with my children, then sit me down and like call me a little bed bug to my face. <laughs> like, it's just such a bad little boy, Professor David. So anyway, the bed bug story like didn't die that Monday night, and like much like bed bugs themselves, it has been a resilient story and has evolved further. So the professor tweeted out this email because like he wasn't afraid, and he knew like Stevens was just trying to like submit him, right? Like it was a power play with the intentions of maybe getting him fired and also to silence him to do anything further. But jokes on Brett, because this professor is tenure. And also, he's a professor of strategic political communication. (laughs) So, like, Brett done fucked up. And, like, if Brett did any research ever, like, any sort of research on anything at all, like, he would have found this out about this professor. uh, And the whole situation could have been avoided. Uh, But, no, he doubles down. And he writes an article, which is, like, just, like, a loose kind of like subtweet um and just it likens the professor to being a nazi which oh god it's like especially because nazis are real they're out there we're dealing with it and the professor is jewish like it was just it was exhausting and everybody agreed that it was exhausting because bed bugs are unifying you guys. So all of media outlets, the Washington Post, Fox News, everybody agreed that like Brett is just a dummy across all boards. 
which is most humiliating for the New York Times because not only have they now had to announce they had bed bugs to the world, but they also have to tell people that they continue to employ Brett Stevens, which is much, much worse. So the bed bugs continue to be a metaphor, and Brett Stevens is still the bed bug. Please keep it going for Callie Hat. Come on. Ooh. My favorite thing about Brett Stevens is that he's richer than all of us combined. He, he gets his paycheck from not researching things. It's fun. Ah, all right. Our final op-ed of the evening is by Erica Dreisbach. And yeah, yeah, you know it. An artist, writer, computer programmer in Chicago. She is also co-producer of this very show, The Skewer. Oh, she's great. Erica, come to the stage. What's up, everybody? It is so nice to be out. This past August, it was widely reported that Snapchat, the dwindling platform for sending ass selfies is now being used to sell black market assault weapons. The first sentence of the Snapchat community guidelines is, at Snap, we contribute to human progress by, and I don't know what comes next, because my brain forcibly draws the curtain and I cognitively black out and am unable to read further. I don't need to know what they say, because it's the null set. They contribute nothing to human progress. In fact, as we now know, they contribute to human destruction. We are in a bad cycle of online that has a decent possibility of ending human life on Earth. It's not a joke that during this show, we may receive the push notification for the tweet that begins the nuclear war in which we die. Ding. Uh-oh. The stages of the bad cycle... This gets funnier, don't worry. The stages of the bad cycle of online, the swill in which we swirl are number one, online. Number two, unwanted penises. Number three, the cool people leave. Number four, pictures of guns. Five, real guns. In stage one, a good online space is born. The jokes are good. All your friends are there. They're smiling. They've got Cokes. They've got Sprites. They're like, hey girl, get in here. Celebrities are there. It's fun. This is the high point. Stage two, unwanted penises. Hordes of them dangling at every angle. This includes the anatomical penis and the metaphorical penis. This includes harassment, doxing, death threats. This includes messaging a femme-presenting person with a winky emoji, and then if she doesn't respond within 30 seconds, writing, fuck you, slut. Stage two can last a long time. But it is followed by stage three, the cool people leave. And in the absence of cool people... The online space is left to fester in the dick cheese of socially alienated men, mostly young, mostly white, leading to stage four, pictures of guns, posted ironically and then unironically, and celebrations of violent murderers and collective worship in a nihilistic death cult that feels just enough like community to not notice that they're rotting from the inside. 
That's what I think the Tiki Torch Chino boys are and what the president's rallies are. Masses of very lonely people shouting hateful things in unison and feeling less lonely for a minute. But nobody there is like connecting or like exchanging phone numbers and talking about their feelings afterwards. Like they're not friends. Eventually, the pictures of guns aren't enough, and we have stage five real guns. I'm not sure how this paradigm applies to online spaces like Craigslist, LinkedIn, and Tumblr, so, like any good pedant, 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 and. And op-ed writer, I'm just going to ignore those examples. When I'm talking about online, I'm talking particularly about Snapchat, Reddit, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, WhatsApp, and 4chan. Yes, 4chan. <laughs> the hellmouth from which the demons of online hath spawned. I first heard about 4chan from a guy I dated in San Francisco <laughs> who rhapsodized about it as if it were a beautiful collaborative art project even as he explained to me that on 4chan, CP stands for child porn. As in, this was his example, got CP. You guys, you guys. <laughs> he was not, this was not even like the worst person I dated in San Francisco. He's solidly in the top half. For those of you who followed my work very closely, and I believe I'm referring only to Tom Harrison and probably his brother-in-law, Randy, sup Randy. This was the guy who would go to Mind States. It's that guy. Mind States, if you haven't heard of it, is for psychedelic drug enthusiasts. It's a conference. So you can see a dude with a long scraggly ponytail be like, and that's when I blew the hinges off the doors of perception. <laughs> And the, the dude next to you stage whispers, that's Josh Dana, the inventor of 2GC. And that guy is just a 10 years younger version of the first dude, and you experience time as a flat circle, even without the help of LSD. That's what I wish online could be for socially alienated white males. An anodyne breakout session in a windowless room in the Yahoo Convention Center in South San Jose where they can share drugs and walk through each other's fart clouds. No matter what culture tries to tell us about human nature, biologically we are social animals. We are fundamentally wired to get along with each other. But the way online is deliberately structured, all of the natural human inoculations against violent psychopathy are removed. I'm talking about public reputation. I'm talking about eye contact. I'm talking about de-abstracted interaction. What would online even be without a layer of abstraction? I don't know, I can't imagine it. That guy never got me to go to mind states. <laughs> Here we are in this fucked up nonstop cycle that seems to be accelerating and getting realer every day. I fear that soon, stage three, the cool people are going to flee the United States or flee planet Earth. Not on spaceships, which will only be available to vile dweebs like Richard Branson and Elon Musk and his girlfriend Grimes, who has broken my heart every day since she showed up the Met Gala looking as like a seventh grade goth holding hands with that Botox squinty edgelord wannabe Tony Stark. No, I mean that cool people will leave Earth by dying. Ding. The cool people have already left government. 
The vast machinery of the system, from issuing green cards to drinking water, is maintained by a core of career bureaucrats. There is nothing a bureaucrat hates more than chaos. And the president and his cabinet are the top chaos agents in the world. Every week, a department head announces something demented, like that they're moving headquarters from Washington, D.C. to West Bumfuck, Kansas, and then 40% of personnel quit, and then millions of dollars in science grants, the money to get the tech to help us, it goes unawarded, because they just don't have the people to move the paper. Do the cool people have an obligation to stay? to wade through the dick cheese for all our sakes. I'm really surprised dick cheese is not getting a bigger laugh. That's okay. Do I have an obligation not to quit Twitter, even though I think I hate it? Should I check in on the Mind States guy, make sure he's doing okay? Do we all need to log on to 4chan and call people out? No. Maybe? Is it possible to put our bodies against the machine and work within the system to create something good? Like I fantasize every day about drafting legislation that would ban domestic abusers from entering the Chicago police force, given the well-documented connection between police brutality and partner violence. Thank you. I've never drafted legislation, but it can't be that hard, right? Congressmen do it all the time, and you know what they're like. I know the cops and the guns people would say, this is an attack on the Second Amendment. This is a slippery slope. And I'd say, correct, motherfuckers. <laughs> Watch your step, because it's wet and wild all the way down. I want to see the Second Amendment crossed out of the Constitution like the Three-Fifths Clause and the 18th. <laughs> Maybe I can take away your penises, and that's a big maybe. Did I say can or can't? I meant to say can't, but deep inside, we all know I meant to say can. Maybe I can't take away your penises, and that's a big maybe, but I can take away your guns. Or would my little law be too late? This is the part when I talk about Star Trek. I have to believe in a Star Trek future that is post-capitalist, post-racism, post-patriarchy, where the military is composed exclusively of feminist nerds, and for a wild night, you grab your flute and you crawl into a Jeffrey's tube and jam. <laughs> the quality of life in Star Trek is a direct function of a peaceful culture totally alien to ours. Like, if the holodeck existed in our world, it would be used exclusively for violent sexual fantasies about AOC. But on the Enterprise, the holodeck is for, like... Sherlock Holmes cosplay. <laughs> or conjuring an audience for Will Riker's one-man jazz trombone concerts. I always got time to dunk on Will Riker. The fact that he is the most conventionally masculine person on the Enterprise D is the biggest joke about traditional masculinity ever, and I am here for it. How do we get there from here? I know what you're thinking. It's first contact with Vulcans, April 5th, 2063. Duh, 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 duh. But 2063 is a long ways away. Until then, I do my best to live right and live kindly and surround myself in a little force field of nonviolent Star Trek culture. And I listen for the ding.
Thank you one more time to Erica Treisbach. And thank you again to all of our op-ed writers this evening. Give a little more. That was incredible. Very good. Unfortunately, Eunice Jarrett, our fourth op-ed writer, could not be with us due to unavoidable circumstances, but uh, we will soldier on regardless. Uh, Before we move on to the debate, I would like to just thank, as ever, our wonderful venue, Cafe Mustache, for hosting the skewer. (laughs) Nearly four years now. uh, It's been been good. Um, And also, if you uh, were walking in, you may have seen a donation bucket. The money in that donation bucket goes directly to our writers. If you think the people who are making art for you are good... You could pay them, but also it's free, so if you don't have money or don't want to pay, that's cool, too. You don't worry about it. Uh, and I think that's everything. So let's move on to the final portion of our evening, the skewer debate. Because every month, there's something so contentious that no one opinion can cover the whole breadth of it. We need a debate, and we need the audience to decide a winner. So let us get our debaters to the stage. Our first debater is a Chicago-born and raised freelance producer and writer. She is a staff writer for the award-winning podcast Pleasure Town and a content producer for the gaming podcast Tabletop Potluck and an all-around hot mess. Please welcome to the stage Ray Goldberg. Hello, Ray. Our next debater is an author in Chicago, Illinois, living above a noodle shop, writing horror stories. She writes and designs tabletop role-playing games and has uselessly hot takes on obscure film. Please welcome Josephine Maria Janicek Leschinski. Yeah, we got it's it's all working. All right, so how does the debate work? Well, I'll tell you. Each of our debaters <laughs> was assigned a topic. They have, provided, they have prepared five minutes of opening statements and one minute of closing statements about their topic. In the middle, I will ask them stupid questions. You will decide who is the victor. What is the question that they will be debating? Well, I'll tell you, won't I? This August, David Koch, the irredeemable ghoul who killed us all, Finally returned home to hell. His death was a cause for joy among all pure-hearted individuals. However, not everyone was on board. A number of people, many of whom were powerful and have large social media reaches, believed it was vicious, improper, and unnecessary to speak in such terms about the dead. Someone who was a brother, a husband, a father, who had made huge charitable donations... We will not be debating if it was right or wrong to celebrate Koch's death. It was right. (laughs) Instead, we will turn to the fact that our rightful joy was sullied by these spoil sports. These scolds. The question then becomes, how will we ensure that we have a proper celebration when Donald Trump dies? Josephine, what will you be arguing for? I'll be arguing that we need to present Donald Trump's death as not Donald Trump's death, but the death of someone named Trump in an anime you've never heard of. (laughs) Makes sense. Ray, what will you be arguing for? 
We will make it illegal to not celebrate. <laughs> that sounds good. Who wants to go first? It's me. It's I go seating to Ray. What's up? Oh, damn. You can still stand up here and we can just like nod at each other. Drink! Excellent. I am not personally in the market for celebrating someone's death, but I will wholeheartedly defend the right to do so, especially when the oppressed have finally been rid of their oppressor. I do have to admit there is something conceptually disturbing about celebrating someone's death. It's morbid. It's adding insult to fatal injury. But there is also something disturbing about obstructing justice, locking up refugees, and playing golf at one of your many decadent resorts while the world burns down around us. So, (laughs) welcome to the future where Donald J. Trump is dead. How did he die? Maybe a heart attack, assassination, but it was probably just the steadily accrued consequences of being an evil old bastard. Regardless, this is a special occasion, and we need to make sure it's observed as such. When naysayers come out of the woodwork to tell us that it's gauche to speak ill of the dead, we need to be able to respond, no, it's the law. (laughs) Let's be clear that our target demographic of naysayers are not just Trump supporters or even Republicans. Some are devil's advocates. Some are more concerned about propriety than justice. Some of them just hate to see other people having a good time. Even though there are countless reasons and ideologies that lead to someone being a spoil sport, we can handle that. We just need to diversify our tactics. Any spoil sport who is lawfully aligned, be they lawful, good, neutral, or evil, they will celebrate Trump's demise simply because we have made it the law. For our neutrally aligned spoil sports, they can be reasoned with or at least persuaded to look the other way if it suits them. We'll just assure them that we're not being partisan. For every conservative asshole who dies, we will also celebrate the death of a liberal asshole. But we will include a loophole that says every single time it's just going to be Bill Maher. I'm not wishing death upon the man. We're just going to, like, celebrate. He doesn't even have to be dead yet. He can join us in celebrating his eventual death if he wants, and if he's a real team player, he will. So now we come to our chaotic spoil sports, which incidentally I am here by copywriting is the name of my new ska punk band. (laughs) To ensure that the chaotic spoil sports will celebrate with us, we're going to have to threaten retribution. You may be wondering how we're actually going to legislate mandatory celebrations. We've already got so many international crises we're finding it impossible to reach across the aisle, so how are we going to pull this one off? Well, with a lack of Trumpiness in the world, a dearth of Trumpitude, there will be a power vacuum. Any politician knows it's hard to get people to love you, but it's really easy to get them to hate somebody else. Any lawmaker who already hated Trump will be pretty on board with our plan, and the ones who supported or at least colluded with him They'll figure out pretty quickly that demonizing him can help them achieve their own dread goals. Tell them he was secretly salivating about taking their guns and melting them down into food stamps. (laughs) Tell them he wanted to raise income taxes to 100% plus your firstborn child. Hell, just tell them Trump is the Antichrist. Are we sure that he isn't? (laughs) Mark my words, there will be parades in the streets. Another possible concern is that even lawmakers who would love to celebrate Trump's death will think actually making it illegal not to is a frivolous use of legislative resources. 
To that I say, here are some other things that are illegal in America. <laughs> Playing more than 10 hours of bingo per week. Falsely claiming you lost your mail. Depicting Smokey Bear without his consent. <laughs> eating a frog that has competed in a sanctioned frog jumping contest. Falling asleep in a cheese factory. Using a telegraph to embarrass someone. Having a picnic in a cemetery. Killing Bigfoot. Or putting too many apples in a barrel. <laughs> if all of that stuff is illegal, we can probably make it illegal not to celebrate Trump's death. My opponent would have you believe that our friends the spoil sports would be assuaged if we tell them we're just talking about anime. Maybe that'll fool some of them, but it's not going to get past the active Trump supporters. They're already scouring the internet for anything even remotely anti-Trump and jumping all over it like it's a carnival bouncy house made of fascism. Right after Trump was elected, the writer of the Star Wars prequel Rogue One, Chris Weitz, tweeted, Please note that the Empire is a white supremacist human organization. Trump supporters immediately called for his removal and started the hashtag Dump Star Wars. The guy didn't even mention Trump by name, just white supremacists and Trump supporters went haywire. It's unclear, if they were um, it's unclear if they were offended that whites, and I mean Chris White's not Caucasians, although that's not irrelevant, that whites thought they were white supremacists, or if they were offended that he was comparing them, the white supremacists, to stormtroopers who are their least favorite sci-fi fantasy villains. How dare you, sir? They prefer to identify as the army of the Dark Lord Sauron, and they are here to make Mordor great again. <laughs> Look, the point is, even if you convince the spoil sports that you're just talking about an anime character named Trump, they're still going to get up in arms about it because they won't think it's a coincidence. They'll just get on Breitbart and yell about how Japan is broadcasting anti-American propaganda. It's hard enough to convince right-wingers they're wrong about stuff they made up whole cloth from the deepest recesses of their mind, and ten times harder when they're wrong about stuff that, even if it's not true now, has actually happened before. The anime ploy isn't going to work, folks. But Ray, you may protest, if it's illegal not to be excited, and the spoil sports refuse to be excited, and we imprison them as punishment, aren't we too being shitty bootlickers? The short answer is, Yes. <laughs> the long answer is, yes, abolish prisons, ACAB, be gay, do crime. Yeah, I'm with you there. The thing is, imprisonment isn't the only way you can punish someone for a crime. There are levels of crime. You've got your felonies and you've got your misdemeanors. Misdemeanors can be punished via incarceration, but more often offenders are sentenced to probation or community service. Let's be honest, all of our communities could use a little more service. We will sign into law that if you don't celebrate Trump's death, you will have to clean up public parks, teach underserved children to read, drive elderly folks to bingo, feed the hungry, clothe the needy, visit people in prison, and give them hope, abolish the prison, be gay, do crime. <laughs> and hey, if you've got some cash to spare, which a lot of Trump's buddies do, donate it to organizations who need it. That's a pretty common form of court-ordered community service. These are all things that any good Christian is supposed to be doing anyway, but instead a lot of them are bombing reproductive health care centers, so just think of us as the middlemen for the Lord's work. My phone won't unlock, so just a moment, please. Can I concede now, Paul Scott Walker, or should I wait till later? <laughs> All right, konbonwa. 
I'm sorry, I have to admit, I did not prepare for this debate at all. I was uh, busy binge-watching a new show last night. <sighs> because I am single aggressively, and I am technically unemployed. I've been watching a lot of Full Metal Alchemist. Brotherhood, of course. In a lot of ways, I'm really similar to Elon Musk. Is he still dating Grimes, or are they still broken up? I can't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I... It's unclear, just like my love life. <laughs> so I'm just like Elon Musk, except one of us is a leech on society, and it's not me. So anyway, since the enemy took the best anime from us, I've been seeking a new show. Something sinister with relatable ties. And I think I have the perfect thing. You probably haven't heard of it, though. Look, I'm not here to convince you of anything. Sorry to disappoint for a debate. I'm just trying to tell you about a great anime, the title of which is escaping me right now. So one day, our glorious leader, our current president, will die. Insert cheers here. Thank you. Thank you. Well directed. I'll put that in the notes. And when he does, the vast majority of us, the good majority of us, will want to celebrate. But there will be those who demand his office has to have a certain respect to it. That his death is not something to throw a potluck with jello shots over I am hosting. <laughs> Therefore, to keep a general unity, I suggest we celebrate his death not by celebrating his death, but by celebrating the death of this different but in some small ways strikingly similar character in this anime I did not just make up right now. <laughs> it's a real anime. It's just really hard to find. It hasn't been uploaded to Crunchyroll yet, but I found it in one of those video stores with the pornographic maquettes and the, um, the really dusty Gundam sets and the couch that no one has cleaned but is obviously used a lot. Did you know those places still exist? Anyway, they also had Escaflone posters. Do you, does anyone remember Escaflone? Yeah. yeah. So this anime is kind of like that, except the revolution never happened. And there's less mechs run by blood. So, okay, it's not as cool as Escaflone, but the politics are infinitely more complicated. I think you can probably watch, like, the first episode on YouTube in 12 parts, or I know there's a rip somewhere in Pirate Bay. Maybe. Did that website survive the call? Has anyone checked their island? This anime has an island, too. Imagine a dystopian world where the most innovative minds are investing in and trading fake digital currency... <laughs> and try <laughs> someone got that one and trying to achieve their vision of a profitable reselling shop full of bulk crap manufactured by children in some other country it's the dream of this imaginary country where the most intelligent minds in generations have set themselves to the purpose of making people who enjoy things feel bad for enjoying things and using their vast mathematical skills to downplay national tragedies Imagine a place where people cheer as a nefarious genius launches a car into space that will eventually take everyone profiting from their labor out into the black abyss after setting a dying planet on fire and leaving the masses to perish. Also, there are mechs. <laughs> and at the head of all of this is an orange-haired maniac who, while the uber-wealthy... Sorry who is an orange-haired orange maniac who, while the uber-wealthy have us, I mean the people in this anime, distracted with dreams that we might one day be like them, puts children in cages. 
He steals from the people who elected him. He commits treason and no one does anything about it. His name is Trump, but not like our president, like a totally organic name that came out of nowhere. And I heard in the next episode, he's totally going to die. Sound kind of familiar? Maybe you've heard of it? Was this that shit that your one friend from high school is always posting about? Like, is that a real show? (laughs) What am I proposing? Well, I want us to celebrate Trump's demise in the way that God intended. By admitting that we are not celebrating Trump's demise, but in fact celebrating the demise of a similar character in an anime that you've never heard of. For what reason are we celebrating our glorious leader's death in this obscure way? I don't know, man. What reason did Hiroshima have to jump in that mech at the final hour, sacrificing himself and Legionnaire Primus to save all of Space Force from our Russian allies? It sounds good, right? Folks, this is what we call good opening statements. I liked it. So now we move on to the question and answer portion of the debate, where I'm going to ask Ray and Josephine both questions that they have not been given in advance, and they're going to have to try their best to answer my dumb fucking shit. Ray, my first question is to you. And this is something that you touched on briefly. The thing about crime is that it's very cool. If scolding people for being happy about Trump's death is a crime, some rebellious sorts may be motivated to do it just for the cred. How do you respond? You're right, that is some dumb fucking shit. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, I mean, there's going to be rebels. We've already gone over what is going to befall those rebels. So who's going to look punk rock when you're cleaning later up the side of the highway? It's a good point. It's a good point. Josephine, my next question is to you. If we're going to do what you say, we'd be telling a lie. And how can we fully enjoy and appreciate the blessed moment if we're having to lie to do it? How can you justify it? I mean, isn't all art like a lie in some way? I just want to create a big, beautiful, nationwide art project with all of you, and you want to shut that down? You sound a lot like Trump in this anime I made up. Oh, no! I mean, it's real. (laughs) Okay. That's nice. Um, Ray, my next question is to you. The thing about laws is that they're almost always created and enforced by cruel fascists who love Trump. See, for an example, the cops. How will you ensure that their deleterious influence will not ruin our fun law? I think we're just going to need to create a team of party cops. (gasps) Yes! Which sounds like an oxymoron. But based on the cheers y'all just gave, y'all are down for party cops. So, yeah, they're just going to be roving the streets in some spiffy little suits, little badges. And if they see someone kind of walking down the street going, they'll point at them and go, citizen, celebrate. And then then they'll just, like, start playing Carly Rae Jepsen. And then, oops, everyone's celebrating. I love the party cops. (laughs) 
oh, damn. Um, Josephine, question for you. Now, this, this ploy is going to work for sure against the boomer Trump fans and, like, pundits on TV. They're going to get fucking fooled like nothing. <laughs> but I'm sad to say it. A lot of Nazis are really into anime. <laughs> and they're going to be suspicious that they haven't heard of this one you're talking about. How are you going to trick them? I'm just not over the party police that's happening over here. Like, I just need a moment. Um, running on a platform of party policing, it's just, it's just sad. Um, you know, I found that the best way to trick a Nazi is to just say, well, I discussed this in my women's feminist class. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do get mad at that. <laughs> Ray, a question for you. Are you simply going to make it illegal to scold people who are happy about Trump's death? Or will you go further and require active celebration? Which do you choose and why? Well, based on the prompt, which I definitely came up with myself and was not emailed to me <laughs> by someone whose name rhymes with mom... Um, <laughs> I, I think you have to be actively celebrating, but then it's a question of what constitutes celebrating. So if you want to say, oh, this is how I celebrate, pew, 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 congratulations, you have done your mandatory celebration. I like it. I like it. Josephine, question for you. So this anime with this guy named Trump in it, mm-hmm. what ninja magic does he wield? <laughs> You know, I would say he himself doesn't have very much ninja magic, but his daughter really seems to step up for him all the time. So I would say having a daughter is his magic. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I like it. I like it. All right, one final question that is for both of you that you can, uh, whomsoever wishes to answer first, approach the microphone. Can we do it at the same time? You you sure could. There has been a debate where both people have answered the final question in unison. It was very funny. (laughs) Um, How do you square your proposal with the irrefutable fact that Trump will actually never die? (laughs) Well, he... No, 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 we got to say it at the same time. okay. Trump possibly self-destruct. Well, you heard it here, folks. Trump can possibly self-destruct. What can I say? That's it. That's all. Closing statements. Uh, Ray, you went first, right? Josephine, you go first with your closing. Let's make it I feel like I've changed so much during this debate that I don't know if my closing statement really fits <laughs> my argument. But in conclusion, the dictionary definition of anime... <laughs> Just 
I thought about it for a good 10 minutes, and I never actually looked up the dictionary definition of anime, so I'd be making it up. In conclusion, my opponent would have you forced to celebrate with undoubtedly some strict rules like the party police on your joyful morning. Instead, I propose you celebrate in whatever way you choose. So long as it is framed in an imaginary show that you saw one time with maybe one or two friends, and okay, maybe both of you were kind of high, and maybe you, it was totally on a VHS that you bought at a rummage sale, but it also totally exists, and I'm sure someone on Reddit knows the title. And leave those Trump supporters in the state they've always been, extremely confused and behind the times. Just remember that no, in this case, it is a real anime, Yes, this fake president, this very real anime, really did die in last week's episode. No, you haven't heard of this show. It's very obscure. See you later, Space Cowboy. (laughs) Dear friends of the skewer, this is my third time doing the debate, and every time I have a little bit of trouble coming up with a closing statement. After all, what is there to say that hasn't already been said? this magnificent prize of the, the golden skewer with a bauble on the end. Who knows? We'll never find out, except we will, because we're about to. Uh, I, this is just too short. There we go. We're both short. I'm sorry. No, no it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Carl, you're going to be the judge. Is that cool? Cool. All right. So now the time comes for you, the audience, to decide who is the victor in this debate. Now, there's always the age-old question of which do I vote for, who was funnier or who was more convincing. I do not care. I'll leave that decision to you. Uh, the only thing I ask is that you, you clap very loudly for the person you thought won, and you clap loudly for the person you think did not win. Do not be silent, because that's not nice. Um, anyway. Whomsoever believes that the victor of this debate was arguing, making it illegal to not be excited, was Ray Goldberg. Please uh, clap now. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, whomsoever believes that the winner of this debate, arguing that we should talk about fucking anime, was Josephine Maria Yanislav Leschinsky. Please applaud now. Well, golly, I can't make that call. Carl, our judge, who was the victor? Ray, you've won the debate. Congratulations. Oh, oh it was a rip-roaring time. Thank you to both of our debaters. Give him a round of applause. Excellent fucking stuff. And folks, with that, the skewer is over for another month. Our next skewer is, again, the first Wednesday of the month, October 2nd. We are also a podcast that you can listen to on your dang computer. Um, In two months, it'll be our fourth anniversary. Holy shit, that's a long time. I really hope we can outlive Trump. If Trump wins a second term, I don't know if I can fucking keep doing this shit. Um... (laughs) 
Well, not just the show, just like life in general. Um, but thank you all for coming. It's super fun. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Skewer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can always come to a live show the first Wednesday of every month at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. If you like the podcast, you can leave us a review or subscribe on whatever your favorite podcast app is. If you'd like to be on the show or just want more information, you can email us at skewerchicago at gmail.com. Until next time, thank you for listening and see ya.